Welcome back and today we're going to be doing a workshop on how to give a really solid interview as an employer. How do you ensure that you give the candidate you're interviewing the opportunity to shine by asking good questions, having good structure and really creating a nice vibe to the interview. So I'm going to break this down into four key areas. Step one, structuring the interview. Two, unconscious bias. Three, dress code and body language. And four, making your decision. So to begin with, let's look at the structure of the interview. So an interview is only an effective indicator of who is the best candidate if it is well structured. What's the intention? What's the ambition for the interview? Well, our aim for it is to have a constructive conversation that leaves the candidate feeling like they have been able to perform at their best and give you the information that you need to decide whether or not that person is the right fit for your company and for that specific role. What we're not trying to create is an over-formalized grilling that leaves the candidate feeling that they didn't get their points across and leaves you as the employer with an incomplete picture of the candidate's suitability. So in advance of this, you need to do some work as an interviewing panel. Whether that's one, two, three, four, five people, you need to be prepared. So this is what you need to do ahead of the interview. You need to decide on the areas of questioning that you're gonna be looking to explore with your questions. And that needs to be based on your selection criteria. Think about the language, think about the words. Words are really important. And it might seem like a huge amount of focus on a very small amount of detail, but not using too masculine words, you know, using, asking nice, open, broad questions um, and an opportunity for the candidate to really articulate their experience is really important. You need to ensure that all members of the panel are familiar with and have copies of the applications of those being interviewed and the job description slash person specification well in advance. It's also worth ensuring that you are familiar in general terms with the relevant terms and conditions of employment and employee benefits. The other thing you've got to think about when you're developing an interview plan is ensuring that all the members of the panel are familiar with and comfortable with their specific role. What is it that that individual is going to be tasked with getting out of that interview? So this should be structured to include introductions and preliminaries, the questions to be asked, running order and who is asking what. Identify how the selection criteria are to be scored and weighted when assessing each candidate and ensuring that each member has a candidate interview assessment form annotated with the scores and weightings for each criteria. Next, the opening of the interview. Absolutely essential that we get things off to a good start. So what do you need to do? I'd recommend by welcoming the candidate, thank them for making the effort to come and meet with you today, show them to the seats. That small effort and courteous start has a huge, huge impact. Ask a straightforward question whilst they settle in and, and you know become acclimatized to the environment. For example, how was your journey? You know, did you find us okay? Then let's have introductions from yourself and other interview panel members. Keep this brief. It's not your life story. It's not Oprah. Keep it brief and to the point. Next, you want to outline how the interview will progress. Explain approximate lengths. Who will be asking the questions that will be uh, that there will be an opportunity for the candidate to ask any questions they have at the end. Signpost that at the start. So there's a nice flow to the interview and also make sure that you say the panel is going to be making notes. It sounds like a small detail, but if people know that, they can relax and they're not put off with that when that starts to happen. Set the scene. Explain what this role means to the organisation 
and what you as the employer expect from the successful applicant. Now, this is a really, really, and again, it's all critical, but this is the most critical, asking the right questions. So having prepared your interview plan, you have a set of standard questions. This is the framework to ensure that you cover the same ground with all the candidates and can objectively assess the information they provide against the selection criteria. However, you do not want either a stilted exchange or to come out of the interview with missing information. So always, always remember to probe with follow up questions and remember to actively listen. There is nothing worse than taking the time to explain a point for someone to ask a question which clearly shows that they have not been listening to anything you've said. It creates a really negative uh, kind of uh, view and perception of that individual, the organisation. So listen, link the previous answer and your next question together so that the conversation flows. Pick up on aspects from individuals' applications that are unclear or that you want further information on following the assessment centre. And check with other panel members whether, they are, whether there are any follow-up questions at the end of the planned areas of questioning. So what are the type of questions? For most people, when you ask them what are the types of questions, you might get open and closed, but there's so much more than that. So the useful questions for you to remember as an interviewer, keep it open. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, how, why, where, who, how? So for example, what experience do you have that you feel is most relevant to this job? How do you prioritize your workload? So what, how, why questions, these provide the candidate with an opportunity to talk and open up on a particular subject. It gives them the freedom to really show you their experience. Behavioural. Research has shown that past behaviour is often the best indicator of future performance. So asking behavioural questions such as what did you do in your last job to ensure that you met the deadlines? Can you give me an example of when you had to solve a problem using your own initiative? This enables you to obtain evidence of how the candidate is likely to carry out a task or exhibit a skill in the future. Thirdly, we've got probing. So you may need to follow up with you on your initial set question you know, to gain further information if you wish to pursue a particular point and you weren't quite happy with what was kind of given in terms of the, the amount of detail. So, for example, that's interesting. Can you tell us more about what you did? Now, this next set of questions, these type of questions, are to be used with caution. You don't want to be using closed questions. So a closed question is such a question that can lead to one word answers. That's very unuseful. And if you're looking to clarify specific points, it just doesn't open up a com uh, it doesn't open up a question at all. So, did you have to deal with difficult customers in your last job? Yes. Be careful using hypothetical questions. So, for example, how would you go about training a new colleague in? So that may help to gauge you know the candidate's speed of thought or capacity to provide solutions. However, if used as a key question for one of your criteria, there is a danger that the candidate will give you the answer they think you want to hear, rather than providing an indication as to how they would actually behave or perform. Best avoided, types of questions to avoid. Firstly, <laughs> leading the witness, no, leading. The expected response is generally obvious, so you won't get the answer you're looking for, and you're not gonna find out anything useful. So for example, presumably you work well as part of a small team. Don't ask double-headed questions. Two questions in one are not effective and you're not saving time. Uncouple them and present them as two different questions to ensure you get an answer to both. Multiple choice. Neither of the possible answers, which are probably based on assumptions rather than facts, may actually provide the real reason. So, for example, did you leave your last job because of the unsocial hours or were you looking for a new challenge? You might not get any of the information that actually you're looking to get because you've asked a multiple choice. So 
best avoided. Leading, double-headed, and multiple choice. Always avoid, and these are, you think it was straightforward, but my God, you know, we've got to make these points very clear to, to, to some people. Don't ask discriminatory questions. Any questioning along these lines that implies the person would be disadvantaged because of their circumstance, gender, ethnic origin, age, should not be pursued. Nor, obviously, should there be any discriminatory questions relating to disability. The, the content of an interview should be the same for a disabled candidate as for other candidates, focusing on their ability to do the job and not on their disability. Avoid any questions relating to the levels of sickness absence in previous employment. We talked earlier about the need for active listening. So listening effectively is just as important as asking the right questions. Arguably, in my opinion, I would say it was more important. It shows that you're listening, you're engaging and you care about what the candidate's saying. And that's going to make them feel open and relaxed. It's going to make you open and relaxed. It's going to increase the quality of the conversation. So just listen. Here are a few ways in which you can make sure you're doing this as effectively as possible. Step one, non-verbal prompts. Head nodding, smiling, maintaining eye contact without staring and other appropriate body language can all show that you are listening and helping the conversation to flow. Silence is okay. Allow the candidate a few seconds to think about the answer and then answer your question. Trust me, if they've not understood the question, they're likely to say so. So resist the temptation to jump straight in if the answer is not coming straight away. Keep an open mind. Listen to the whole answer and avoid making assumptions based on the initial reply. Probe and follow up where your question has not been fully answered. Again, on that point, probe and follow up. Verbal prompts can encourage the interviewee to continue talking if you don't feel they've fully answered the question. Such things as, go on, tell us more about X. What do you mean by Y? Remember to think ahead and link questions. Although you will have a list of questions in an order, if the candidate answers a question out of the order that you have it, do not panic. Just make a conscious point to flex it up a little bit and carry on or go back and ensure that you remember to link back to what they said when you come to your question. Confirm your understanding. If you need to check that you've correctly understood the important point, paraphrase or, re or restate what you have heard so the candidate can confirm or elaborate where necessary. Now, this is really important, particularly if it is, you know, if the role there will tend to be a few essential pieces of either experience or attitude uh, or characteristics that you're looking to to see in the in the applicant um you know work ethic uh, a particular skill with a particular product um sector experience so if that's important to you make sure to confirm your understanding and allow them to put more detail in if necessary and remember to guide the flow of the conversation if the discussion is drifting away from your area of questioning bring it back on track using probing and follow-up questions or by simply summarising. But try and avoid interrupting or talking over the candidate because that's not going to create a great impression. Now, we mentioned at the start of the, the episode around when the candidate comes in initially, you're going to tell them you're going to take notes. But listening and taking notes is incredibly challenging. You know, if you share the, you know, the taking of notes between the team, it can make it easier. So, you know, make an effort to, before you plan, before you go into the interview, saying who's going to take notes on which questions. The reason why this is important, it shows the candidates that at least one of the interviewers are keeping eye contact, that you're listening and you're taking them seriously. Your notes will be invaluable at the end of each interview and especially at the end of the day when it can be hard to remember who said what. You want to avoid subjectiveness or inaccuracies creeping into your decision-making process. 
You want to make sure you're getting the best person. Also, in the event you have to provide feedback to unsuccessful candidates or even to defend a decision, your notes can be similarly invaluable as a source of evidence to help you do so in an accurate manner. But remember to ensure they are factual and objective as the Data Protection Act covers any written records and a candidate can request a copy. You may find it helpful to drop a simple pro forma beforehand to assist you with your taking notes during the interview. So for instance, type up the questions on a, on a piece of paper, but leave enough space in order to write down the responses or notes as you go. Closing the interview. So as important as the opening, the closing section of the interview should have three main elements. Firstly, the opportunity for the candidate to ask any questions they may have. or you know, Remember, this is an interview. It's a two way process. Provide an explanation of what will happen next and then an indication of timescale. Don't commit to something that's unrealistic. For example, we're going to call you tomorrow when you absolutely cannot. Ask them if they have you know, a full understanding of the terms and conditions of the contract and the benefits. It's an opportunity as you as an employer to really sell on those. And again, thank the candidate for attending. They've gone out of their way to come and meet with you or to meet with you via Teams. Thank them for their time. One thing that is really difficult to get right in an interview process is unconscious bias. What is unconscious bias? Unconscious bias refers to a bias that we are unaware of and which happens outside of our control. It is a bias that happens automatically and is triggered by our brain making quick judgments and assessments of people and situations. It's influenced by our background, cultural environments and personal experiences. But let's just think about how this could influence an interview process. So although we all like to think we are open-minded and objective, research shows consistently across all social groups that this is simply not the case. We are heavily influenced in ways that are completely hidden from our conscious mind in how we view and evaluate both ourselves and others. So here are some common forms that may occur during the interview. You've got something called affinity bias. So that's where showing a preference for candidates who are like us and making more of an effort to put these candidates at ease. You've got confirmation bias. So making assumptions about a candidate's ability to do the job subconsciously, seeking evidence to confirm our pre-existing opinions, whilst rejecting evidence that contradicts our assumptions. Contrasting bias. This is where you're allowing the experience of interviewing one candidate to affect how other candidates are interviewed. Candidates are compared and contrasted against one another, rather than measured on their individual performance against a job description and predetermined selection criteria. You've got halo and horns effect slash bias. So that's rating a candidate as good or bad across the board, often influenced by an uncast, an unconscious first impression based on a particular characteristic. For example, a physically attractive candidate with a winning smile can be thought of as good. A candidate with visible tattoos may be considered bad. Stereotyping bias. Assuming that the traits of certain candidates will make them better or worse in the role. For example, assuming that a woman will be more concerned with family and less committed to their job, or that older candidates will struggle with technology. So these are examples of unconscious bias. What can you do? Ensure that all members of the interview panel have a voice and are able to share their opinions. This will help combat the dangers of group thinking. Develop evaluation criteria linked to the job specification and apply them consistently to each candidate. Take time to develop a structured set of interview questions and ensure that these questions are consistently applied to each candidate. 
Ensure that each of your interview questions is targeted to assess the essential criteria as set out in the job description. Avoid comparing each candidate against the previous interview. A candidate's evaluation should not be contingent on who was interviewed immediately before them. Instead, independently score each individual against the criteria and then have a discussion as a panel at the end of the interview process, where you share your ranking of candidates based on the evaluation criteria. Any difference in ranking can then be discussed within the context of the job description and the evaluation criteria until a census of opinion is reached. And the final thing to say is make sure your panel is diverse so that it has people from all walks of life with all types of experience. A, you're promoting that this culture is diverse and inclusive, but also it's going to reduce, hopefully, unconscious bias that exists. You do not want to make decisions based on a candidate being a good fit. This can lead to individuals recruiting and promoting the people who are most like themselves. Focus instead on the specific reasons for a poor fit and explore whether these reasons are evidence based or if they reflect biases and a tendency to recruit individuals who are similar to yourself. You want to ensure that all of your decisions are evidence-based and can be supported by factual feedback based on interview performance and the job criteria. Do not use any casual conversation that may have taken place outside of the structured interview as a deciding factor. And take your time, schedule breaks for the panel to rest. Research shows that our unconscious bias has a more pronounced impact on decision making when time pressures or other distractions exist. The next thing I want to talk to you about is dressing appropriately for the interview. Now, since COVID, there's been a lot of challenges to the norm around what is appropriate dress wear for work. And I absolutely encourage that. However, as an interviewer, you absolutely have to think, am I dressed in a way that is inappropriate for an interview? and that is reflective of the brand of the company that I'm representing at the moment. You also want to ensure that any body language is a positive one. So, for example, when you meet someone, smile, look them in the eye, give them a firm handshake. You really can't underestimate the power of good, positive body language and appropriate dress goes on the experience of the interviewee. Now, after you've had the interview, you've dressed appropriately, You've been really polite. You've asked lots of open questions. You've got to make your decision. How can you make sure that it's structured properly so that it is objective and sound decision? Step one, each panel member should initially take some time to reflect on their notes, including their scores, the summary of comments on the candidate interview assessment form. It's really important that this is done independently to ensure that there is no group thinking taking place. And then each of the panel should independently rank the candidates in order. The panel should then come together and discuss how each candidate performed in relation to the selection criteria. You may want to look first at whether there are any candidates who are clearly not appointable or less suitable than others. Although make sure you have full discussion before deciding on this. If there is any additional information that has been used as part of the selection process, such as personality tests, presentations, or performance at an assessment centre, make sure these are utilised to inform the final decision. And finally, a panel operates best if it works as a team to come to an agreed decision. It is the leader slash the chairman of the panel's responsibility to ensure that there is a full discussion and that all have their say and that any differences of opinion are debated. However, ultimately, the leader will make the final decision if there is unresolved disagreement on whom to appoint.
So key points for you to remember and take away from this podcast episode. Stick to the questions and structure agreed. Avoid unconscious bias. Dress and act appropriately. Reach an objective decision. I hope this was of value to you and tune back in for more useful content in coming episodes. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Recruitment podcast. Now, 80% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review. Follow the podcast or subscribe to it. Please like, review and share the podcast who allows to help more people for free. Thank you very much. 